Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside Omaha. Before we get into a discussion on our issue-based podcast, we're going to introduce our hack of the week, Whole Foods. I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure you've heard how it's healthy, but it's also expensive. What you may not know is how it's more affordable than you think. Whole Foods is a grocery store located at Regency Parkway. And guess what? Through an Amazon Prime student account, you can get groceries delivered for free. Yes, free. My favorite F word. Here's how it works. First, you're going to log into your Amazon account and search under the Whole Food tab. Browse a site for grocery deals. They always have so many going on each week. Then you're going to select what you want and simply add it to your cart. Then decide on a two-hour slot that the groceries will be delivered and simply wait for the delivery. This is especially useful if you don't have a car on campus because you get your groceries delivered right to your dorm. I did that all the time last year. It was so easy and so helpful. If you're from Arizona like me and hate driving in the snow, this is also a great option during the winter season. Now that we've shared our hack, let's get into this pod. Google defines gentrification as the process whereby the character of a poor urban area is changed by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, and attracting new businesses, typically displacing current inhabitants in the process. Gentrification in Omaha follows this definition similarly. Today we're speaking with Kent McCrimmon from the local nonprofit In Common and Kenneth Reed Booley of Creighton Schlegel Center for Service and Justice. They spoke about how gentrification can look different based on neighborhood and level of communication. Let's see what they had to say about revitalization versus gentrification in our nearby neighborhoods. Just start by you telling us a little about yourself and your role at the SCSJ. Sure. My name is Ken Reed Booley. I'm the director of the Schlegel Center for Service and Justice. I've been at Creighton 23 years. We do significant formation with student leaders. So we have team leaders, about 35 students that are really the ones on the ground running quite a few of the programs that we do. Everything from service and justice trips, our largest, probably best known program to Ignatian advocacy uh, and then local community engagement, which is a little more on topic to what you all are uh, asking about. Um, You actually made clear uh, to me when we met in our uh, pre-interview meeting the difference between gentrification and revitalization. Could you explain that difference a little bit for us here? Sure. And I'll, I'll credit a, actually a Creighton graduate and graduate of the journalism program here, uh, Dewan Lamont Hayes, who's a community leader now. One of the things that uh, Dewan talks about is that the difference between revitalization and gentrification is communication and participation. So the, everyone wants their community to be th- to thrive. Uh, and I think to many people, if it's not thriving as best it can, the ideal is to have that revitalized, to have more resources come in to have everyone uh, be able to raise their families better and to uh, to thrive in all of those ways. Um, but the challenge is if it's not, if the people who are already there are not communicated with and don't participate, that's when you can start to get into gentrification. Um, 
So, like, you mentioned, like, the people already there are the ones that are affected. I know Omaha has a big immigration population. Um, so, are there any ways that you see gentrification affecting that population specifically? If the people who are living there don't own the properties, then as the values go up they and things get sold, they don't participate in the equity and uh, and they, they the rents go up too high, and so they have to move. In some sense, one person's uh, revitalization might be another's gentrification, and it's hard to tell exactly, um, but, but that participation and communication would be the piece. I, I think that just generally the, the economy, um, the gentrification is part of, a, 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 in terms of immigrants and refugees, just uh, paying a living wage and having access to affordable health care and, and affordable housing, those are kind of the and primary things that everybody needs. So um, if it's affecting people without resources, people who are experiencing poverty, then absolutely it will affect immigrants and refugees. Do you know of any service opportunities available in which students like ourselves can help those communities? We at the SESJ have many different ways to participate in um, uh, both working with refugee populations and with, uh, with immigrants. And some of it is through committed service programs. The same group of maybe 10 students would meet each week and they might learn about immigrant immigration, but then they would also do some service. So one of the placements is at Completely Kids at Gifford Park School, which is our neighborhood school. There, there are lots of opportunities as well, uh, places like Refugee Empowerment Center, Refugee Women Rising, Restoring Dignity, and the Furniture Project. I was actually out at the Furniture Project and, and Restoring Dignity this morning with a student, and we were delivering household items that we've been collecting from the Creighton campus for several months now, and in this case, especially preparing for um, refugees that are, uh, we have, the Omaha per capita is usually the second or first most per capita refugees in the country. Kind of like shifting away um, from that focus a little bit, do you see a correlation between gentrification and an increase in our homelessness population? Um, I, I think one interesting thing that's happening right now that I've just witnessed in the last few years and been reading about is that there are other uh, that we have a real lack of affordable housing generally. We're not, we haven't been building enough. We don't have public policies that are mandating developers uh, to include enough affordable housing as part of the projects that, that they uh, make. And then right now, if you've, I'm sure aware, Airbnb, Verbo, places like that have, have, or companies like that have really grown, that's taken a, a fairly significant percentage now even uh, of the of possible houses off the market. Um, just a similar question to what we asked for our immigration population. Are there any service opportunities where we could assist um, someone experiencing homelessness? Working with people experiencing homelessness, the, the main our main community partner there for a long time has been Sienna Francis House. That's and we go uh, weekly and we do that. We tend try to do that service a little bit differently. It's much more about accompaniment and about being with the people experiencing homelessness rather than standing behind the food and, and serving the food. So uh, our volunteers actually sit down at the tables with the guests and 
just if someone wants to talk, then they'll talk. If they don't, they won't. But just kind of being present and uh, having that experience. Why is it important to work with communities that are impacted by gentrification as opposed to working for them? That comes right back to that communication and participation. Uh, that And we are very clear as SESJ and I think as Creighton in terms of how we try to do any kind of community development that we're not going in to try to fix anyone. We're not, and we try not to have a deficit approach where we try to look and see what's wrong with a community. We want to have an asset-based approach and go in uh, and as guests and as partners and uh, see what, what are the assets that are already going on. Um, but people need to understand some of the history and the context and why things are the way they are. Um, and I think we do a much better job of that. I, unfortunately, the need for service and justice, uh, economic justice, those kinds of things have not. They, th- that ebbs and flows, I guess, to some extent, but we're, um, we, we still have a lot of work to do. I think that covers a lot. Did you have anything else you'd like to add about plugs for yeah. SCSJ? <laughs> I, I would welcome anyone's participation and communication with the SESJ next uh, next fall for the local community engagement as people come back to campus um, for some of the committed service opportunities. Through our discussion with Kenneth Reed Booley, we learned that communication and participation are some of the most important combatants against gentrification. Construction and turnover are not necessarily bad things for neighborhoods, but they are when not properly communicated. The SCSJ continually works with communities in and outside of Omaha to cultivate better lives for those less fortunate than us, applying the Jesuit charism of men and women for and with others. You can volunteer with them at cuinvolved.creighton.edu under the SCSJ page. We'd like to talk a little bit about yourself and like how you came to work for In Common. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I got connected to In Common about nine years ago. Uh, so I was at uh, a church called City Light Omaha. So it meets over on 45th and Nicholas. And um, one of our directors and his wife uh, were members there as well. And so got to know them through that experience and have always had kind of a, a passion or uh, interest in doing community development, engaging with neighbors, getting to know uh, people just in the neighborhoods that they live in. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at In Common and what you do there exactly? Yes. So as a, as a community organizer, I actually do a lot of different stuff. Uh, primary focus is really on identifying neighborhood leaders and uh, equipping those leaders to do the things that they want to do in their neighborhood. So we do a lot. I particularly do a lot of outreach. Uh, we do some door knocking. Um, we do little mini block parties and just anything that we can do to try and get to know neighbors. And then through that process, we also do something called the listening project, which is a short survey that we do with neighbors, an opportunity to get to know neighbors and see what they're passionate about, uh, things that they care enough about to actually show up to or help with. That's really cool. Um, and what neighborhoods in specific do you work in the most? Yes. Yeah, so as an organization, we have two neighborhoods that we work in. So we work in Park Avenue. So um, Park Avenue in Woolworth is where we have a community center over there. So just north of Hanscom Park uh, and then kind of up from Woolworth all the way to about Leavenworth is kind of our 
target area. And then we also are in Walnut Hill. Uh, so that's that area, just uh, kind of that northeast of Sonic over there. So north, uh, kind of from 40th to Saddle Creek, north of Cumming Street, and then south of Lake is a target area over there. So I guess we can kind of dive into a little bit of gentrification. Those neighborhoods, would you consider those North Omaha? Would you consider those, which part of Omaha would you consider those, I guess? Yeah, so both of those neighborhoods are, I would say, kind of like transitional neighborhoods in the layout of Omaha. So again, you kind of have this overlay of characteristics that you generally think of for South Omaha, and then also some of those elements of Midtown as well. Yeah, would you say that any of that kind of transitional housing is due to um, gentrification or um, kind of just revitalization or um, revamping of those areas. Um, Do you see any kind of negative effects? Partly uh, kind of the reason we ended up in both these neighborhoods is there is a strong drive for development kind of rights right along both of those neighborhoods. And so I think there is, you know, there's some pros and cons to both of that. So I think, you know, you alluded to some of the challenges of gentrification, which we've, uh, I don't think we've definitely seen more in Park Avenue um, than we've seen in Walnut Hill, where you have a lot of vacant rundown buildings that developers purchased and rehabbed. And so, you know, on the, the positive side is you, you know, you have these empty buildings that are at least being rehabbed. Uh, but at the same time, we definitely have seen that challenge of how that's affected the whole neighborhood as far as uh, rising rents. Well, one thing that one of our directors has really been spending a lot of time on is is affordable housing. You know, in one sense, we yeah, we're for development, but we don't want to see development that excludes neighbors that are already in those areas. So Omaha is constantly under construction, specifically North O. It's coming into some big construction right now, a historically Black neighborhood. How does this construction in favor of a new fancy and expanded downtown harm what they as a culture have worked so hard to build a lot of development happens um you know with without consulting you know the neighbors that it will affect and you know i know that a lot of projects um you know they might not necessarily change significantly even if they do get a chance to talk with neighbors but i think that's uh still an important part is that communication while there is a lot of money that's being put into these things, not a lot of that money is necessarily making its way to, you know, to actually benefit those neighbors who live there. So they may get some new facilities, which is great, uh, but as far as economic development, there's still, um, you know, there's still a gap. And I think it's important to talk with the community, and I think it's also important to acknowledge that sometimes, you know, developers might put profit over people. Are there any instances where you've seen like communities benefited by some of this construction, like employment opportunities? I'll just take one small example from Park Avenue. We had several neighbors who had expressed just a desire to see uh, more accessible park space in the neighborhood. And so there was a, a vacant lot next to this uh, this duplex that was getting redone. And so we kind of reached out to that developer and said, hey, you know, we have this idea to do like a little pocket playground here. We we're able to to build a playground there. And so I think that's, um, you know, maybe a small example. When neighbors have the chance to to kind of voice their desires to developers, there's actually a lot of times that those goals can kind of line up. Exactly. I think that communication is so important. We, um, as, as an organization, we own uh, two apartment buildings in uh, Park Avenue. Uh, they're both vacant right now, 
uh, but they are going to be renovated um, and they will be, they'll be re rehabbed and they'll be afford, it'll be affordable housing uh, so that, um, I don't know the percentages, but essentially they'll rent for, you know, less than whatever the, the average rental is in the area for, you know, that comparable space. When we talk about gentrification, we're talking about um, new developments in older areas that push those communities out of there. And then where do those people go? Um, with community, what are some of the things that the communities you work in want to see the most? One of the challenges for us is that, uh, you know, for two years is really dealing with the, the reality of the pandemic. We're, at, I think, at a spot now where people are, you know, they feel comfortable with those interactions. They feel comfortable going to block parties. So we're kind of kind of regathering some information to say, okay, what is it that people have have energy to do? I think more than anything, we are seeing this desire of like people do want to to spend time with other people. <laughs> you know, a couple of things that we have kind of planned um, or that we've recently started up is um, so we, uh, a fitness class, uh, a women's fitness class. Uh, we have a couple parents that are looking to help get a, a soccer club started for the summer. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's great that you're organizing these block parties or community engagement opportunities because so many people miss that. I mean, I know even all of us, like I miss being able to go and hang out with everyone or go to different events or even go to like a yoga class without there being only six people out in the class. So I think I think it's great. Gentrification, it just kind of has like a negative connotation to it. Um, can you just explain the difference between like your work and what In Common does versus what you stereotypically think of when you hear like, oh, this company is developing that area? So I say that, you know, we really start with you know, just the people in the areas that we work, um, you know, we start listening uh, to uncover those, you know, those assets, those strengths in the neighborhood that we can really, yeah, just to and help connect the dots so that those things can really flourish. So we're not, um, you know, there are elements where that leads into kind of some, you know, physical changes in the neighborhood, but that's really not kind of our, our starting point. All right. It's more revitalization than gentrification is like you're more there to help the community is what it's sounding like do you have anything else you'd like to say yeah, i'm just really proud uh you know of the work that we do and um you know i think that a lot of times we want you know quick fixes we like to see the redone buildings and the big new community centers and all those sorts of things uh i can't remember the name the sociologist who said that you know the number one source of poverty is isolation and so it really is through developing, uh, you know, relationships, connecting connections to neighbors that um, that communities really thrive. And it can be a slow it can be a slow process to do that. Uh, you know, it takes time to, to develop relationships. In Common works in neighborhoods building community and Creighton students are welcome to volunteer to go door knocking or helping to call constituents by going to their website at incommoncd.org. Ken McCrimmon helped us realize how we can all actively help our community, especially after COVID-19's impact on the neighborhood that thrive on fellowship. And this is Inside Omaha. I'm Isabel Skikos. I'm Charlie Harrington. I'm Mia Gallegos. Creighton University, Omaha, Nebraska.